0: The following episode
1: is brought to you by the American Urological Association. This episode was made possible by support from Eurovant.
2: Good afternoon. My name is Jay Raman, and I'm professor of urology at Penn State Health and chair of the AUA's Office of Education. It's my pleasure to welcome you to another one of our AUA University educational podcasts with this specific episode titled Advancing Women in Urology Mentorship. Joining me today are doctors Ann Suskind and Stacey Tanaka, and what we hope to uh, convey to our audience and what we hope our audience will appreciate from this series is this is the Advancing Women in Urology podcast series, which seeks to elevate awareness and provide content that focuses on career tips, advancement, and education featuring women leaders in all areas of urology. As I mentioned, my two guests are Dr. Ann Suskind. Dr. Suskind is Vice Chair and Associate Professor of Urology at the UCSF School of Medicine, and she's also the Associate Chair of Academic Affairs and Wellness. She serves on the Executive Board of the Society of Women in Urology, as well as being an Associate Editor for Neurourology and Urodynamics, Journal of Urology, and on the Editorial Board for Urology Practice. Dr. Stacey Tanaka is Professor-in-Chief of Pediatric Urology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, She's the assistant editor for the pediatric session, section of the Journal of Urology and serves on the editorial board for the AUA update series. Uh, so Anne, Stacy, first of all, thanks so much for uh, joining me uh, on, on this really important, I think, initiative from the AUA uh, to sort of um, improve the awareness and the knowledge of our members um, on this really important domain in urology. So thank you both.
1: I'm thrilled to be here and to, to chat on this topic with
2: the two of you.
0: No, and thank you for starting this conversation.
2: So um, maybe we'll just start off and and um, talk a little bit, and, and I'll open it up to either of you, frankly, but um, maybe tell me a little bit about um, the concept of maybe some of the terms that we're going to be using today, mentor, mentee, um, and, and then maybe a little bit distinguishing that from Um, maybe a sponsor or sponsorship and and a coach. So maybe just start with that and we'll maybe talk in greater detail about some of these afterwards.
1: Well, I can take that if if you want, Stacey. But uh, (laughs) traditionally, I think of mentorship as there is sort of a career incumbent who is imparting their knowledge um, and advice on somebody who's less advanced um, in the field. And so that's on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, I think of coaching, which is there's somebody who may be in the field or not in the field, um, and they're not giving advice or any really direction, but they're helping the individual that they're coaching kind of come up with their own solutions and answers and path. And I really see kind of mentorship as that spectrum in a way between, you know, traditional definitions of mentorship and coaching. And I think it's important that the mentor sort of adjusts where they are, how much advice they're giving versus how much they're sort of trying to elicit the individual to kind of come up with their own ideas and path, Um, and really tailoring that to each person and where they are. Both in their career trajectory and also um, where they are with, you know, the particular topic that you're you're talking about. Um, sponsorship is something completely separate, um, and a, a sponsorship is where there's a more senior physician in this case who uses their social or political clout or experience to nominate people or um, sort of help them to advance their careers or join prestigious. Um, groups or um, things along those lines.
0: And I think I'd I'd like to add on to that too. I think for a mentor, a a mentor-mentee relationship, it's it's a longitudinal relationship. The mentor and mentee really can have a lot of back and forth, a lot of open discussion about things to help the mentee establish their individual goals. Um, I think in Contrast you, what you don't want from a mentor necessarily is, is, or as a mentor, is you're not trying to create a mini me. Really, the, the, your mentee's goals are different. Those are your mentee's goals. They're not, they're not um, the mentor's goals. It, there may be some overlap with that, but it's important that the mentee has their own individual goals, and the mentor helps develop those.
1: Absolutely, and it, kind of to go on that, the the mentor is setting up the mentee for complete independence, right, and and helping them to get there, whatever by whatever method.
2: So, Anne, you talked about coaching. So, and and maybe I would ask both of you. So, um, is a mentor a coach? Can a po- can can someone coach you and not be a mentor? Like, maybe t- tie in how this sort of concept of coaching works with mentorship, or or are they are they not necessarily one and the same?
1: I think it de- depends on how you define it and I kind of shared how I define it as sort of a spectrum. I think there are coaches who would say they're not mentors and there are mentors who would say they're not coaches. Um so, you know, a little bit of it is semantics, but I think whatever you're doing if it's mentorship or coaching, I think the the ideal is to meet the person where they are and to help give them what they what they need in that particular situation. So, in, in a way the terms don't matter. Um mm-hmm. it's it's more the the relationship. And the the, the inner type of interaction—that's my opinion.
0: And and I think and I think of coaching as as someone who might not necessarily be in urology, who's just helping you with decision making. Where I think of a mentor traditionally, I think is someone who knows your field or is, is in a similar field as you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the mentor is basically giving their you know using their experience,
2: and the coach is using other sets of tools usually. So so when you talk about mentors, um, maybe talk to me a little bit about who who are these array of persons? Well, you know, are they is it a single person? Is it multiple person? Is it a team of mentors? Stacy, you alluded to, you know, mentors maybe in your specialty or there could there be mentors that are outside of your specialty? Maybe just the, the sort of the broad concept of who are these mentors and, and what is a mentorship team?
0: So I think, I think absolutely. I think, you know, I think it's, I think when when I first thought of a mentor, I thought of one singular mentor, but I think really you benefit from mentorship from a lot of different people. And that can be people who are senior to you, that can be from people who are really your, your um, people who are at at your same career level, um, people in other disciplines, um, and so I, I think you can really get mentorship through a lot of different paths. Um, you know, I, I think one of the ways, surprisingly, that I benefited from mentorship is is from a group of, of friends who are all pediatric urologists. But we jokingly call ourselves like the circle of trust. They're this group of people who, you know, are about your same career level that you can go to with who you can go to with really any problem you have, whether it's a a clinical problem, whether it's a hospital problem, because they know that space. Um, And so they're very familiar with it at that level. Um,
1: Yeah, I I think this concept of mentorship as a team, having a team of mentors is so important, and I think of it like friends. Um, you you have lots of different friends who you, you have different relationships with and, and get different things from some friends you like to go out to dinner with or do things with some you go to for advice some um, are there to support you I mean it's the same with mentors you don't get everything from one person it's impossible right. And so it's so much more effective to design a team of mentors where there are different people that you go to for for different needs and different things. But that being said, I think it's really important to have, particularly early on in your career, when you're building your career, one main mentor. Um, who knows that they're your main mentor and is sort of helping you to build the team and orchestrate things and put everything together and synthesize things. And then you have lots of co-mentors. So maybe there's a research project that you're interested in and they have a certain you know specialty that is helpful to you or um, a career development thing or leadership um, uh, activity. I mean, lots of different things. And then like Stacey was saying, um, it's so important to have peer mentors and those are, you know, people who, I, who have been invaluable in my life um, people who are going through what you've gone through and, you know, are about your same age or maybe you train trained together and you can ask them questions that you might be embarrassed to ask other people. Um, and then the other thing is, I think it's really important that your mentorship team evolves over time as you evolve. So the mentors that you start out with. Um, you know, as your initial kind of team, they may not serve you 5, 10, 15, 20 years into practice as your interests change and your needs change. And I think it's okay to complete certain relationships in a way and um, develop new relationships based on um, your interests. And I think that's really important to keep people engaged um, and, and interested throughout the, you know, career span.
0: I love your analogy of um, like developing mentors as sort of having a, a team of friends, a team of mentors, because I think a lot of times you don't know who's gonna be like, you meet a lot of people and some people end up being acquaintances and some people end up being like your closest, closest friends. And you don't know that when you first meet them. And I think it's the same thing for meeting mentors as well. You know, when you first meet someone, you might not realize Oh, this person is going to be my mentor, but then you've got you have a longitudinal relationship with them, and they evolve into being your mentor. And I think several of my mentors, especially later on in my career, were um, were people that you know I knew that I was acquaintances with, but I think became very helpful the longer I knew them and and felt more comfortable asking them questions about things.
2: Yeah. So when do you think, you know, it's interesting, I, I can't remember which one of you mentioned it, but um, we, we've talked a lot about mentorship in the setting of your career development and your career advancement. Um, and I guess my my question for you is when, when should, ideally, But when should mentorship start? So should it start when you're a resident? When, when you are, um, you know, you've graduated medical school, you're going into this field, you don't know much about urology at all. Um, or, or is it more formative when you have completed some of your training? You know what you're looking for, and now you're you're sort of trying to build a career, or, or maybe your thoughts on on that question?
0: I think it's different at different times, and I think you know everyone has sort of informal mentorship when you're when you're a medical student. Like there were definitely like junior residents who had just been through that process who essentially served as mentors for applying to residency. And I think as you go through, there's always someone just right above that serves as a mentor. So I think you don't necessarily have to name someone as a mentor. I think you can get mentorship from a lot of people. Um, Jay, are you kind of asking me, like, like, like answering the question, who is my mentor and being able to write that person down? Is that like a?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I was thinking to myself just a little bit that... Um, you know, this process has to start at some point, and and I, you know, it almost intuitively seems to me sooner is probably better. I mean, to your point, you know, maybe you don't need to have a formal mentor assigned, or maybe you do, but but it seems like the, you know, this, you know, residents are part of sort of the continuum of that's a real job, right? It's a real job. It's part of your career path, and and I've started to wonder to myself more whether there needs to be more of an investment. Not just in wellness for residents, but you know, you know, what's your mentorship? What's your career path? What do you want to do with your life? Whether it be and and other elements of work-life balance, and then that sort of you know hopefully feeds into subsequent sort of practice when you when you're done with your training.
1: I I think there's no wrong time to have a mentor. I think uh, any part of your life, even before you go to medical school, you can have mentors. And and that being said, even when we're in medicine, not all of our mentors need to be medical. Uh, people. they can be from any you know uh, area of our lives. and I think that that kind of adds to the fullness of of the experience as well. Um, and yeah, I'll just stop there for a minute.
2: So you you both at this point in your careers are, have probably both been mentees earlier and now probably serve as mentors now. And I can't remember which one of you said it, but I love the fact that somebody said, you know, as a mentor, you don't want somebody, your mentee to be a mini me. So that kind of leads me to the broad question of, you know, how do you identify a good relationship, like a a good relationship and and what should mentors be looking for? And and what should mentees be looking for to have a a sort of this sort of synergistic relationship?
0: So I think, I was thinking about this, like what makes a good mentee? Um, and I think that you have to at least have some basis of what your goals are, and you might not be able to have the specific details of what those are, but I think you it's hard to go it's hard to mentor someone who says, You know, can you be my mentor, and you don't have any sort of direction that you're going in. Um, I think that as a, as a mentee. Um, you know, I think you can learn, you know, not everyone you're going to interact with is a mentor, but you can still learn from everyone. You can still use that learning to kind of direct what your, what your goals are. So, you know, do like, let's say as a resident, you're working with a faculty person and, and you say, oh, I don't want my practice to be anything like that person's. I mean, that's a learning point. You're still learning. Um, and so I think just having that rough idea of what your goals are, and those goals can change. They, they don't have to be permanent but just to go in with at least with that set of goals to work with.
1: You know, there's one article that I like to quote from um, uh, UCSF, where they, there's this UCSF mentorship award, and each award nomination had 10 letters of recommendation with and They took all the nominations and all letters of recommendation and put them into thematic care- categories of what people, what good men- qualities of good mentors. And, and they came out with five, which were, um, they, good mentors had admirable personal qualities They serve as a career guide. They make strong time commitments. I think time is central. Um, they support professional and perf- personal balance, and they leave a legacy of how to be a good mentor. So that's kind of where I I start. And then I, I like to add, you know, a good mentor doesn't need to be someone who's well known or famous in the field. In fact, I think a lot of times those people don't have the time to put into um, to mentorship. And, you know, it doesn't matter if they're well known, what matters is the relationship and what's put in from both sides. The other thing I'd add is it can be really tricky and I recommend against having your mentor be your boss or your direct report. Um, And not to say that that can't happen, but if it does happen, I think you just need to kind of be aware of maybe there are certain things that that person can't mentor you on. um, And that's a role for um, some strong co-mentorship and and things along those lines. And, And for mentees, I think it's really, um, I think I always kind of talk to mentees about, I think it's important that the mentee drives the relationship and sort of energizes the relationship and the mentor will mirror kind of the the, um, amount that the mentee puts in. Um, I think that uh, along those lines, I think it's important for the mentee to kind of check in with the mentor um, and update them and uh, keep them posted on what's going on. And mentors, I always tell mentees, men, your mentors love to hear from you, right? And there's, there's nothing better than hearing uh, how people are doing. And um, I think expectations are really important in both directions. And I think that conversation doesn't happen nearly enough. And kind of to our conversation earlier about kind of having someone be a formal mentor or not. I think a lot of times people think they're in a mentee mentor relationship and the other party doesn't know that. And so I think there is something powerful about declaring that um, so that both sides understand um, what the other person wants out of them, right? I think a lot of mentees assume that if they're having a lot of conversations with someone that 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 person um, knows that they're their primary mentor. But I tell you, a lot of times that's not the case. And I think if that person knew that they were the primary mentor, they would be able to give so much more or um, a whole other level of, of support. So I think that's often a missed opportunity. And I think mentees, you know, it's always great to be enthusiastic and energized and organized and focused and set up meetings and uh, be fun to work with. And I think it's important to be able to embrace feedback and to welcome feedback. It's really hard to give feedback, as you all know, and it's much in, but feedback is so precious and can be so helpful. And if you, um, as a mentee, ask for feedback and really aren't try not to be defensive about receiving it, there's so many. Gifts there, um, so uh, those are just a few things I think of.
0: I love what Ann said. Jay cut out my part from before. <laughs> I'm serious, <laughs> but um, to I, I think it's so important. The other, the part that you said about not having your mentor be a direct report, I, I I think that's you have to. I agree. There's a lot of caution there because I think there's a tendency for a lot of mentees to present their perfect selves. And that's not what you want to present to your mentor. You want to present your real self. And I I think it's hard with someone that's a direct report saying, "Okay, these are the things that I'm struggling with, or I I didn't like doing this. Can I reshift to something else? And so I think it's harder to have that honesty if your mentor is also someone who you're directly reporting to.
2: Yeah. So I want to maybe turn our focus to sort of the the question of women in urology. And um, so you both know the demographics as well as I do, which is um, I think right now, if you look at current trainees and, and those entering the workforce, I think we're doing a much better job if you just look at gender equity of who's coming into our specialty. But then certainly as you look at the life cycle of of urologists, right, as you go further and further into the career, the proportion of women that are mid-career is certainly lower than those that are currently earlier career. And then if you go to sort of those that are late career, or um, you're getting to relatively small numbers, like, you know, under 10%. And one of the things when we we did a needs assessment survey, which I think maybe you've both seen with the AUA, was there's a real challenge with mid-career Women urologists with identifying mentors. So and, and accessing mentors. And 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 it was actually a very strikingly high number. And it was sort of eye-opening that wow, here's a, a large group of persons who actually are saying that this is a real deficiency. So I guess I want to sort of use that as a framework to maybe pick both your brains on, you know, women physicians in urology and and accessing and identifying mentors um, and and do all mentors need to be women or men And, and how to sort of solve the conundrum of you may not have enough women that are seniors, for example, who could be adequate mentors for all the persons that are entering the field. So that was a big preamble, but I'll turn it over to both of you now.
1: I think there's a lot of creative ways to think about that. Um, One is um, your mentors don't need to be in your department. And certainly I I have two my two kind of main mentors um, throughout my career as an attending have been a colorectal surgeon and a geriatrician who um, are both women uh, and they both happen to be women but that's been really helpful to me and um, you know, and you can even think outside of your institution, I think so across departments um, across institutions, professional look at professional societies, um, you know, I, I serve on the board of uh, SWU, the Society of Women in Urology, and that's a great uh, kind of avenue for meeting other women. Um, it's We have a mentorship conference every year. It's coming up in January. And really one of the main goals and objectives of that conference is to get women together to, to form mentorship type of connections, um, so I would say think creatively about that. And No, your mentors do not have to be women if you're a, a woman. That uh, you know, you, there's excellent mentorship regardless of, of gender um, or across any different lines. I think it's helpful if at least one of your mentors is like you, um, and in whatever regard that is, I think that that can offer you certain um, uh, certain help and support in um, in special ways. But I, I would just encourage uh, women and, um, you know, other people from minority groups of, of any sort to think about it more creatively and more broadly um, as well.
0: And I think that, again, mentors you can find in a lot of different places. You, you don't necessarily need to think, OK, I need to find someone in my subspecialty of urology. You know, uh, going to meetings like SWU or or other meetings where you have mentors outside of your institution, I think, are are so important because I think they're able to give an outside perspective to of what's going on, Um, um, and so that's helpful. I think within your department, you may be limited by the number of women or in your department, or the number of women that you're directly interacting with. And so, not, so you, your mentor in your department might not necessarily be a woman. And I think that's okay. I, I think most, really most of my mentors haven't been women, um, just generation, generationally because that's been how things were people who were um, later in their career. But I think what was helpful to me in that regard is just having some informal downtime to be able to talk. And so, in addition to having that, okay, this is my mentor, we're going to meet at this time, you know, just having like neighboring OR rooms and going into the other other OR and just like having that sort of back and forth or having offices on the same hallway so that you can develop that relationship Um, for someone who might not be a mentor to become a mentor and figuring out who's going to be the best mentor for you. And I think that's especially important at the mid-career level, because I think at at that level, I think your needs from a mentor are going to be pretty specific. Mm
2: -hmm. So what you both talked about a little bit is is, um, a lot of stuff that's being independently driven by the, the mentee, right? For example, if you want to go to SWU, It's it's seeking out those connections. So I'm going to turn it around the other way and say, okay, I'm a department chair. I have five or six women in my department. So what should I be doing at an institutional level so that I'm helping that? Right. So so that the onus is not just on, and we could say whether it's women or race or ethnicity, but but what should we be doing institutionally and leaders at institutions to Make it a little bit easier so the onus isn't just on the mentee to do the entire walk here to, and, and make that happen.
1: Well, one thing we've done is develop formal mentorship programs for our department and um, I've been able to run those programs and so we really started by focusing on um, our most junior faculty and so you know I meet with everybody regularly help them to develop their teams um, and kind of help them along with whatever barriers or uh, needs come up so I think just having something in place Um, That's formalized, that's available to everyone, and then we've widened it to the whole department, um, but that's available to everyone and uh, is is one thing that you can do. Another thing that department chairs or administrations can do is really value mentorship in terms of promotion, um, whether it's with honoring, um, you know, there's different ways to do it, but providing FTE or um, some sort of reimbursement or some sort of other value that's um, the system that's used or recognized. Recognition system that's used in your department. Because what often happens is mentorship, it takes time, it takes effort, and it goes unappreciated or unnoticed or unvalued. But really, it's the life force of your department because there's nothing more important than nurturing, fostering, and growing your faculty and making sure that people are happy and fulfilled and and have the careers that they want. And that will make them much more productive and long lasting in their careers and in your department. So I think it's. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, the right thing and an important thing to do.
0: And I, I think that's so important. And, and because I think coming in as a young faculty member, everyone's, you know, super excited. They want to, you know, you've joined a department, you want to be productive. But I think it's really easy to spin your wheels a little bit, that you have your goals, but it's hard to know how to get there. You have to know what those little mini steps are to get there. And knowing what those mini steps are, it's easy to know, kind of look at it in retrospect, but it's hard to know in the moment what's what's the next thing I should be doing to 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 advance or what what's my next big project. Um, and I think that's where the mentorship is really helpful. And it's 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 a waste for someone to have has someone have all this energy, but just kind of spin in place and not progress and and that's what, and just like Ann said, I think mentorship needs to be recognized for the, as important as it, is, as it is, given all these sort of competing demands, um, because I don't think it's recognized as much as it should be.
2: I think you both raised such good points, which is, I think we would all agree that when you have a junior faculty member, the last thing you want them to see them do is just spin their wheel, spin themselves in a wheel, and they're, they're making, they're expending this, all this effort and this energy, and, and they don't have sort of a vision of where where the end point is, or at least where the goal needs to be, and, and you highlight so well the need of a mentor there, and, and I would also tell you, you're spot on, right? If you look at, you know, how we value um, people from a faculty perspective, and you look at like the dollars and cents, right? It's how many cases did you do? all right, what is your FTE that you got from this grant? It's point whatever. All right, you're the vice chair of whatever. So you get point this. And and there is nothing, unfortunately, in many places that is for mentorship. And so, and, and the problem with that is, you know, there's only so much volunteerism, right? It takes time. It takes effort. You have to do it well. And if you do it well, it, it, it it's going to be some amount of time that needs to be captured more so than a pat on the back and, hey, thanks for, for spending Four or five hours being a good mentor? So I, I I think you both raise um really excellent, excellent points there. Um when when you look at um as a mentee, um what should mentees be, be looking for with regards to um who might be a good mentor for them? Um is it and how do they identify this person? So you've highlighted a number of different avenues. Probably your your direct su- supervisor is not ideal. Um, you've talked about people within your institution, outside your institutional national organizations like SWU. Um, any tips on on how to how you, how do you dip your feet into this pool? Right. So I mean, how, how do you get started? And what are some tips for getting started in this? Because I'm sure it's a fairly daunting venture, frankly, if it's not right in front of you and and you have an institutional framework that's readily laid out?
0: So I I think it's a little bit like dating in that like you sort of feel out, you you sort of like approach someone with a specific question um, that that is not necessarily, I want you to, will you be my mentor, but just, hey, could you give, I, I want your advice on this. And you can assess how, how timely is that person or how interested were they in helping you with that question? Um, and I think you can sort of gauge, okay, is this person sort of meshing with me? Does this person seem like this is a big hassle? Um, and I think then then if that seemed to work, you can go on the second date where you, you know, and, and you, you proceed. And, and because I think it's hard to say, to look at a person that you don't really know just by reputation and say, I want this person to be my mentor um, because you really have no idea. Um, and I think finding a mentor is really more a, a process than, than just like, this is the person I wanna be like, I want this person to be my mentor.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with with everything that you said and I think it can be daunting. I think flattery is helpful. I think approaching <laughs> someone and being like, "I love what you're doing with X and I'd love to learn from you. Could we set up a time to speak for 15-30 minutes, you know?" And that's it. No commitment beyond that, right? Test it out, see um, see if there's kind of a mutual interest and in synergy. Do you enjoy talking to this person? You, you want to develop relationships with people you like being around um, and that are fun to be with and uh, just see what progresses from there. And it's exactly like you said, I mean, I wouldn't approach someone and say, will you be my mentor? Um, just look at it as one conversation and, um, and go, go from there. It's an exploration
2: um any any final thoughts or comments from either of you in in this sort of you know concept and realm of mentorship, or maybe even specifically mentorship as it pertains to to women in urology?
1: I think we've talked a lot about um the you know you can have a mentor, you can uh, be a mentor. It's good to have a mentor at any step of your career development. And I think it's always good to be a mentee. Um, always be open to learning new things, no matter where you are or how advanced you are in your career um, and never be afraid to kind of start new mentorship and new mentee mentor relationships from either direction. I think wherever you are in your career, you have the opportunity to be both a mentor and a mentee and to, to kind of, there's richness to both
0: experiences.
2: Stacey, any final
0: thoughts? Um, no, I think one thing that has been helpful for me for mentors has been, I think what mentors also help you do is they recognize things in you that you don't see. I think a lot of us are not really, uh, sometimes get not confident about our abilities. And, and I think that the mentors are the ones who can help you say, no, you can do that. You sh- that's something you should consider. Love
2: that. That's great. Well, Anne, uh, Stacy, I, I want to thank you both so much for taking some time. I think this is a really important topic. I, you know, I'm really glad that the AUA is is sort of making a more concerted effort in this realm. But obviously, appreciative of both of you taking some time uh, to talk and and to sort of have this conversation. And uh, obviously, you both are very very. Uh, outstanding thought leaders in the field. And I, I suspect you might be getting some emails from persons who may listen to this, you know, querying you on some more details on mentorship. But uh, I want to thank you both uh, for your time in advance.
0: No, thank you, Jay. This
1: has been great. Thank you so much.
2: Um, and for our audience, uh, for any other information, please visit us at auanet.org university. And uh, thank you again for joining.